Good morning. How y'all doing? Fantastic. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and thank you so much for joining us at One Church. I'm so glad you're here because we're smack dab in the middle of a series that we've called Gods, G-O-D apostrophe S. And the whole premise that we looked at our first week last week was this whole idea that none of us are owners, but that we're all stewards. We all looked at this four-letter word last week, M-I-N-E, and we talked about how none of us should really be able to use the word mine. We're kind of like, we use mine kind of like our two-year-olds use the word mine, because we know that the two-year-old didn't do anything to get the stuff, and at any time, especially if they're bad, it could be taken away, right? All of us are like two-year-olds giving a present to their parents, And that is the entire premise of this entire series entitled Guides. Now, last week, our big idea had some hand motions. So how many of y'all were here last week? Let me see your hands. All right, we're going to do a test. All right, here it is. Everything belongs to God. Remember, everything comes from God, and everything is dispersed by God. That was really awful. Let's do this one more time. All right, everything comes from God. Every, I'm sorry, I messed up. Everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and everything is dispersed by God. One more time. Everything comes from God, belongs to God. How about that? I am a fantastic teacher. I don't even remember it. Everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and everything is dispersed by God. All right, very good. That was painful. God willing, by second service, I will get that because I'm ready to walk off the stage. All right. Anyway, so anyway, that's where we looked at last week. Now, today, I'm just going to be really honest with you guys. I want to talk today about the reason why many of us don't give because here's the thing. I think none of, I don't, I think most of us in here, if we're Christ followers, we don't want to be greedy We don't want to be selfish. We talked about last week that all of us are going to give it all away when we die. And we want to be able to give more. We want to be able to tithe. We want to be able to give a church. We want to help other people out. But today, I want to talk about the reason why most of us don't do that. And there's really two big reasons. In fact, as as your pastor and as your teacher, um, one of the things that I want to always do is not always present myself in a good light. I want to present myself exactly how I am, which sometimes is stinky. And as I shared last week, my 19 years of marriage with my wife, uh, Kim and I, we struggled with giving and tithing to the church the first 14 years of our 19-year marriage. It wasn't until we started at one church and we created a plan to be able to help us out. And we, we, we had a lot of pushback. And today, I'm going to tell you the reason why we didn't give. In fact, as I kind of tell you the reason why we didn't give, I'm hoping that I may kind of hit you and maybe talk about the reason why you don't give. Because there's, there's one of two primary reasons. And I want to talk about the first one up to this point. I think it's fear. I think it's fear. I think we get afraid. The reason why most of us don't give freely and we hold back, when, when we, the reason why we don't do percentage giving you know, the Bible says tithing, which is 10%, and some of you don't do that, but you may give 5% or 8% or 3%. You know, you, you start somewhere and you go from there. Um, the reason why we don't do that isn't because we're selfish. It's because we're afraid. 
We are fearful. Now, here's the thing. A quick, quick question. Does anybody know what the most repeated command in the Bible is? Let me tell you what it's not. All right? It's not don't think about that and don't lie and don't do that. No, it is don't be afraid. Because I think for most of us, fear controls our actions, it controls our dreams, it controls our checkbook, it controls everything about us. We are afraid and we start thinking about the what ifs. We want to give, but we what if our way out of being good stewards. What if we what if our way out of being obedient to God. What if we don't get a bonus this Christmas? What if we don't get a raise? What if we don't get the job? What if the stock market crashes? What if interest rates go up? Or what if interest rates go down? What if the economy gets worse? What if gas prices get higher? What if our way out of being obedient to God, and we say, God, I am afraid that there is going to be a rainy day, and because I'm afraid that there might something is going to happen next month that might impact me financially, as much as I would like to give right now, as much as I would like to support, as much as I'd like to give a percentage, as much as I'd like to lift my hands open, and, and I believe that everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and everything is dispersed by God, even though I want to do that, I believe that, I'm afraid. And consequently, what we do is we what if our way out of being obedient to God. And let me just shoot straight with you this morning, because again, I want you to realize that I'm not perfect in this area. Because I know you're not perfect in this area. It's because those of us who were guilty of saying we want to do more, but we're just afraid. We want to do more, but what if something happens? Let me tell you, let's just play out that scenario just for a second. Let's play out the scenario in this fact. The bottom line, if the bottom did drop out financially, if you did lose your job, if you, if you couldn't pay your bills, if you didn't, and up to this point, you've not been given to God. Up to this point, you've not been percentage giver. Up to this point, you've been kind of robbing God a little bit. Let me tell you what you wouldn't do up to this point. You wouldn't pray this prayer. God, dear Jesus, I, I know the bottom has dropped out financially, and, um, I, it, but because I've not been giving to you in the past, I've kind of saved up. I've got this little nest egg, so I don't need your help. You wouldn't pray that, would you? No, you wouldn't, because I haven't. You see, what we do, even though, even though we've not invited God into our finances in the past, when things get rough, guess what? Everybody needs Jesus, right? That's just how it is. We say, dear Jesus, let me tell you, I know that everything belongs to you. I need a little bit of it. I know everything comes from you. I need, you, I need some stuff to come my way. I know everything is dispersed by you. Do you need my address, Jesus? Right? Suddenly, when things get shaken up financially, we become so spiritual and focused, don't we? I mean, honestly. That's the honest truth. And it happens to me and it happens to you. We want What we want, bottom line, suddenly, we want God involved in our finances, but we've not involved him in our finances up to this point. Because there's a hole, there's a deficit, there's a gap, and suddenly, what I've got to do, I go to church, read my Bible, if I need to spin around three times, click my heels, do whatever in ruby slippers, I don't care. I, I mean, I will get spiritual, 
and I will do whatever I have to do to get you involved in my bank account. Now, isn't that a little bit strange? In fact, if we're really honest, and again, I'll put myself in there as well because I'm not perfect in this area. Isn't that a little bit hypocritical of me and maybe of you? In fact, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here because I'm not talking to you. This is a great day that you're here that you can kind of watch us squirm. Because today, the passage we're going to look at in the Bible, in fact, you can go ahead and turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. In this Bible that we give away for free, it's page 886, all right, page 886. We're going to look at what Paul, this guy who wrote this letter, has to say about finances. Because... All this, we, all of us, we, it's strange that we say, you know, we don't want God in our finances when we don't give, but when the bottom drops out, because there's a deficit, because there's a hole, I, 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 we feel like up to this point, we've not given to God because we need to build our, build our security. Up to this point, we need to build, uh, find some security in our bank account, but when everything drops out, there is no security, only in God. So this morning... The passage of scripture we're going to look at, in the most practical way, we're going to invite God in on our finances. And it goes way beyond just giving. It has everything to do with doing what he wants to do in our finances. That we are not owners, we are stewards. It's not Chris's, it's not Jake's, it's not Jill's, it is G-O-D apostrophe S. Now, let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Now, before we dig in, let me give you some context. Up to this point, everything that Paul has written about this little church in Corinth is not good. This church is the most jacked up, messed up church I've ever, you've ever been a part of. You thought your church back in Podunk, wherever, was jacked up? Read 1 Corinthians. Dear Jesus. I kid you not. It is the most frustrating. I mean, Paul has nothing good to say about this church. I mean, there. I mean, people are getting jiggy with their with their husbands. Excuse me, with their fathers' uh, stepwives and stuff like that. It's just nasty. It's Jerry Springer stuff. I kid you not. First Corinthians. In fact, the best series I've ever heard on First Corinthians is by Mark Driscoll, and he's, he's entitled it "Christians Gone Wild," and that is so true. Now, up to this point. In 2 Corinthians, though, he actually says something good about this little church. And let me tell you the, the, the backstory behind this. There is a huge drought, a huge famine in the land, in the church in Jerusalem, this mega church in Jerusalem. There's thousands of people in this church in Jerusalem. They, are, they, are, they have hit financial rough times. People are losing their jobs. They can't pay the bills. The church can't pay the bills. So... Paul is going around to these other different churches, collecting money from these churches so that he could give to the church in Jerusalem. And when he gets to Corinth, they, he is amazed because these, these small jacked up Christians in Corinth have given over and over and over and above what they could have and maybe even should have given because they loved God so much. They were so generous with their offerings towards this church in Jerusalem that he is writing them this letter, and he's going, wow, this is amazing. You guys are amazing. Good job. So I want you to put this in perspective. Paul isn't writing to this church in Corinth about something he can get from them. 
they've already given over and above. He is affirming them and reminding them why they did what they did. Now, before I dig into this passage, I've never preached this passage before in all of my years of ministry. And there's a reason why. It's because so many strange, weird preachers with bad toupees have preached this this passage and have manipulated it and made it say things that it it, it almost sounds like if you do this, you're going to get rich quick. And I want to say up front, that is not how I believe this passage should go. That's not how I interpret this passage. But to the average casual reader, it's going to look a little strange and a little different. So let's dig into it and y'all pray for me. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly, everybody say sow. Sows sparingly will also reap. Everybody say reap. Reap sparingly. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If I could put this in my uh, in my words, if you if you plant a little, you're going to you're going to get a little. And whoever sows generously, if you plant a lot, you will reap generously. So the premise is this: you have seed. I was a pastor in Iowa for five years, and one of the things that um, I learned about Iowa, it's a very an agrarian society. In fact, the two major cash crops there, of course, is corn and soybeans. And one of the things I would always do is I'd go out with the, uh, with the farmers, and they would plant, and they would plant the corn, and then I loved riding the combines as they harvested the corn. But Paul, in this context, he isn't just talking about seed. He's using that as an illustration. He's talking about money. Look at the context of it. You don't believe me? Go back and look at it on you version. All right. So in in this principle, he talks about the law of the harvest. Now, what is the law of the harvest? It's this principle right here. If you sow, you reap. All right. If you sow corn, what type of plant is going to come up? I know it's getting crazy here. Y'all sit down. All right. Now, here's the thing. If you sow, this is grass. If you sow this much grass, you're going to get about that much grass. But if you sow, (laughs) if you sow a big handful of grass, you're going to get more grass. I almost did it. Be scared. All right? I may do it. So it's like SeaWorld and Shamu. Just saying, all right? Here's the thing. If you sow a little, you're going to reap a little. If you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot. That is the law of the harvest. And because of this law of the harvest, you got to learn to be a generous giver because if you're generous in giving, you will be generous in receiving. It is a way to invite God into your finances. Just like the farmer takes a handful of seed, when we give... We say, God, I want to involve you in this area, and therefore, I am going to sow seed. There's a principle. If you sow, you reap. Just as the farmer involves God in his livelihood by sowing seed, in the same way when you give, you invite God into your bank account. You do. That's what this says. Now, remember, again, that these people... Have already been, I mean, Paul doesn't want anything from them. 
Paul wants something for them. In, in a sense, God is just standing back in a lot of our lives, and he's watching and waiting, and he's wondering who is going to give generously. Who is going to sow generously with their finances? They're going to reap generously with their finances and other things we're going to talk about. Whoever sows sparingly with their money, that Greek word literally means in a miserly fashion, that person is going to sow and reap a little in return. Now here's again, here's the bottom line. How many of y'all, be honest, how many of y'all, you want God in your finances? I do. I mean, we want God involved in our marriage. We want God involved in how we raise up our kids. We want God involved in our health. We want God involved in so many other things. But if we want God in our finances, we have to invite him in. He's not going to bust his way in. He could, but he's not. Sowing is an invitation for God to get involved. Our big idea is in two parts, and the first simply goes like this. Giving is an invitation for God to get involved financially. Giving is an invitation for God to get involved financially. The reason we fear is that we can't control circumstances, and we can't control God. God says, look, I know the future, you don't. Why don't you involve me up front? And how about you involve me up front? How you do that is by sowing generously. That is, you give. And what you give, it will be returned back to you. Now, again, I can hear some of your thoughts right now. You're going, okay, is this a get-rich-quick scheme? The answer is no. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. If you're here and you're thinking, I can be rich, I want you to tune me out the rest of the sermon. You, ha- you, have, you have my permission. I am specifically talking to the single or to the couple here who is a little bit fearful and a little bit on the fence, saying, I don't know if I can do this. I'm too afraid. I don't know the future. What if? What if? What if? The thing you need to fear is not giving. The thing you need to fear is sowing sparingly. Okay, think about this. When a farmer has so much corn, he's not worried, man, I I, I don't want to just sow this corn because I'm, I'm not going to get it back. No, 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 no. I mean, you, they could hoard the corn, but they're not going to get any new corn, correct? Y'all hear me? All right, they're not going to get any new corn. No, the farmer takes the corn and plants the corn knowing and having faith that new corn will grow. And that's what we are to do with our finances. Here's the challenge. Are we going to sow seeds like this? Or are we going to sow seeds like this? There it is. That is. That's the tension that all of us have to deal with. Now, let me tell you. The, the, the first one was fear. The second one is the size of your bucket. This is the thing that Kim and I struggle with. And it's the reason why we didn't give. Let me tell you this. How much is in my hand is only relates to how much is in your bucket. You hear what I'm saying? That's the reason why God does percentage giving. I'm so glad about that. Because in the Bible, if it says, you know what, you're to give $2,000, all of us would have a problem with that. Right? Because we're going, thank you. Uh, all of us, we go, we don't have it. We don't have it. But he doesn't do that. He says, I want you to give a percentage. 
And the percentage that God talks about all through the Bible is 10%. It's a tithe. Now, again, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, up to this point, now, what the, let me ask you this question. Who is more spiritual, the millionaire who ties off of his million, or the person who gets $10,000 and ties off their $10,000? Which one is more important? The same. Exactly right. Now, you see, as, as people... And a lot of churches, they would cater after the millionaire, right? But let me tell you, they're both equal in God's eyes because God is not asking you to give $100,000 of your million if you ain't got a million. He's saying, what the bucket that you have, and all of you, you have a size bucket. It may be smaller, it may be bigger, it doesn't matter. The question is, are you going to trust God with the bucket that you have? Because, see, what Kim and I would always do, we just said, you know what, we would give more if we had a bigger bucket. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You give, what you give is the portion of the bucket that you have. And the thing of it is, that's the reason why it's percentage. Now, I'm going to be honest with you again. If you're not doing 10%, you may not want to start at 10%. I would, I would ask that you would try God in this. You may want to start at 3%. You may want to start at 5%. The key is, and we're getting ready to say, Paul is getting ready to tell you how much to give. This is going to be so amazing, all right? I, I, I love this because you can tell that a pastor didn't write this, all right? Look at what it says in verse 7. Each man or woman should give how much? What he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a... <laughs> the word cheerful there in the Greek is the Greek word hilarion. And guess what we get from that book, that word? Hilarious. Now, tell the truth, shame the devil. How many of y'all, when the bucket comes around, you're like, <laughs> none of us, Right? I mean, it, that should be, um, it should be like stand-up comedy hour. We should be so thankful. We should be giving God so much praise. But in most churches, when you pass the offering bucket, or in most churches, they have the, like, the gold thing with the felt in the bottom, right? You know? The, you know the reason why they have the felt in the bottom? So that the chains don't clink. That's the reason, all right? So uh, it's, it's like a funeral dirge. Boom, 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 boom. That's what it is, right? There's nothing hilarious about it either. Paul sets up this comparison and contrast between, that was, all right, that was the Star Wars Imperial March, by the way, for all of you Star Wars geeks out there, all right? By the way, did you know that this week they announced they're writing the episode seven? Just saying, it has nothing to do with my sermon, I apologize. All right, but God, Paul, he puts this contrast between planned giving and impulsive giving. How much you're supposed to give, it's the amount that you've predecided. That's huge. Because Paul is against this high pressure, you know, you, you know a, a, a really slick preacher get up there and twist in your arm. He, that's not what this is about. This is not about manipulation. This is about the size of your bucket. And how much you want God to get involved in your finances. And you have to make that decision ahead of time. Let me tell you, there, if you don't make pre-decisions, you will make poor decisions. And usually the poor decision when it comes to giving is you won't give anything. Make a pre-decision. 
Make a predecision. Let me tell you, if you, I'm going to say that one If you don't make predecisions, you make poor decisions. If you don't make the predecision not to get in the back of a, a, a car with a guy beforehand, that you're not going to do that, you're going to make a poor decision. There are some decisions you shouldn't make on the fly, and this is one of them, giving. You need a plan for giving. You need to decide ahead of time, and the Bible always speaks of percentage giving. There's something about consistency and persistence when it comes to giving. Consistency, that you're to do it every time you get a paycheck, at the first of that paycheck, we're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks, but then a percentage, and whatever percentage you decide. I'll be honest with you, at first, Kim and I, we didn't start with 10%. Because we were afraid, but we started with five. We said, okay, God, we're going to trust you with this. And we, and we had a plan. i tell you, the plan that helped us is we did online giving that was automatically deducted from our bank account because we're so, Kim was here at 6 o'clock this morning. I usually get here at 6 o'clock this morning, but I have the kids, all right? And there's something about we're always kind of bebopping, she's singing, I'm preaching, and we're never usually around when the bucket, so that many times that would be an excuse, so we decided when one church was starting, you know what, we're going to do this ahead of time. We're going to do it, and it's going to come straight out of our check. And that has been the hugest, biggest help for us, all right, consistency and percentage. So, but for many of us, we don't have a plan. God's saying, you, now let me tell you, how many of y'all, you've ever had a birthday, and somebody, you had four people come to your birthday party, and three of them bought presents and one didn't? Any, or somebody like, anybody, anybody not kind of showed up, they didn't have a present, and they said, hey, excuse me, I I left something out in the car. And they ran to Walmart, and they quickly got something off the dollar rack, and they came back and they brought it to you. Would you be pleased with a gift like that? The answer, no. Because it's not about so much getting something, it's about that you had enough forethought. And let me tell you, if, if you wouldn't like that, do you think God likes that when we come in and we don't have a plan? Here's a five. Here's a 10. Even, here's a 1,000. If you didn't pre-plan, if you didn't pray about it, if you, God's like, just keep it. Just keep it. Because, uh, you know, ever, you're always worried about people looking what you put in there. It's a little bit of guilt. It's a little bit of manipulation. Just keep your money. Decide before you get in here, and we treat God as an afterthought. Now, here's the application. I want you to go home, whether you're single, whether you're married, and I want you to ask the question, how big... Is our bucket. How big is our bucket? And in light of how big our bucket is, in light of how God has blessed us, our family, here is how much seed we're going to sow. Let's decide and let's do it. When things are great financially, we're going to do it. When things, things are not good financially, we're going to do it. When things, we just keep on sowing seeds, it's consistency and percentage. And it's pre-planned. It's about getting alone with God, and we pray this prayer, and it's a scary prayer. It goes like this. God, here's my bucket. Here's how much is in it. God, in light of the fact that I want to be a good steward and that you own it all, in light of the fact that I want you to be involved in my bank account, in light of that fact that you own it all, would you show me and my family how much we should give? And we're going to give that amount. We're going to give it when Chris is on and when Chris is off. We're going to give it when the church is on or when the church is off. We're going to give it when our finances are great, and we're going to give it when our finances has taken a stink. It's all about, it, it's about sowing. Sowing is an invitation for God to get involved in your bank account, get, and, and we all want God involved. I know I do, and if you don't want God involved today, tomorrow you will, because something will happen, right? 
something always happens with our money, correct? Seriously, it does. It, it just happens. God wants to be the Lord over all of your life, even your finances. I mean, we want God to be involved in our salvation. We want God to be involved in how we, when our kids are driving, we start praying to Jesus a lot, right? But when it comes to our money, we're like, whoa, 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 time out. I don't think I want you involved there. And God says, no, I want to be Lord. I want to be calling shots over all of your life. And Paul goes on in this passage and explains the purpose why we give. And he explains the purpose why God applies this law of the harvest to our money and to our finances. Look at what God is able to do in verse 8. And God is able. Somebody say God is able. God, is able. God I'm liking y'all this morning. God is able to make all. Everybody say all. All, all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That will preach. There's, I, I'm so excited about this. In light of what you're going to do, look what God has promised. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that all things at all times, all I need. Would you say that with me? All things at all times, all I need. All things at all times at all I need. Let me ask you something. Can you get any more financially secure than that? I say no. All things at all times, all I need. God says, let me show you how this works. Now that you're sowing and that you're putting things out there, you've invited me into the arena of your finances. So let me tell you what I'm able to do. I'm able to give you all things at any time, so that you will have all that you want, all that you need. And that's the rest of our big idea. Giving is an invitation for God to get involved financially in all things, at all times, all I need. All things, at all times. And now, again, quick question. Isn't that the reason why many of us don't give? God, I wish I'd give more, but I, I want to have all things. And God, I want, I, I want it when I want it. And I want to have all I need. Isn't that what you're holding out and what I've been holding out on to God? God says, let me tell you, you I've got this, Chris. I've got this. And let me tell you, here's the cool thing about this. If we empty our bucket, I'm not going to baptize y'all anymore. If um, That was a Methodist baptism, by the way. Um, it was sprinkling, all right? Here's what's so cool about this, is if I empty my bucket, God has ways that he can refill my bucket. Now, here's the cool thing about that. If you give to God and you trust God with your finances, you are basically saying, you know what, God, what your values are or my values are, and I'm going to finance your values. Quick question. If you're God, and I know that's a scary thought, scary answer, if you're God, whose bucket would you replenish? Would you replenish the person's bucket who spent all of the stuff on themselves? Or would you replenish the person's bucket that said, you know what, I'm going to sow generously and I'm going to put my money behind God's values? Well, seriously, who would you replenish? The latter, right? Seriously, right? And God has ways of replenishing our bucket. I mean, it's amazing. Some of you, you've seen this in action. I know I have. 
when something has happened financially and we've gotten a big whammy and somebody will say, you know what, and I won't even know who they are. And maybe, and some of you, you've done the exact same thing. Let me tell you, um, again, I, I, I've seen this work when, when, when I had my accident, my bike accident this summer. It, it put us back a lot financially. And I was trying not to kind of let everybody out there know kind of our needs. Um, but let me tell you, God provided for those needs. And the thing of it is, we kept on giving to God. And when you invite God ahead of time into your finances before you have the need, he will make sure that he will, at all times, all things, all you need. That's a promise. That is a promise. That is financial security. I love that. Now look at verse 9. And it is, as it is written, and he quotes this promise to the poor, he has scattered abroad the gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. God's goal is to fund his work in this world. That's huge. And again, he's going to replenish the bucket of the one who doesn't just spend it on himself, but who finances God's goals. Now look at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11 is the scariest verse out there because I've seen so many people kind of take this and run with it in really weird directions. This is what it says. i got to preach it because it's in the Bible. Here's what it says. I'm a little uncomfortable. You will be made rich. And, you're, and some of you are like, see, I, I knew it. I knew it. This is get rich quick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You will be made rich in every way. Why? So that you can be what? Generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. We're getting ready to have thanksgiving. And all of us on this day, we are thankful to what God has given us. But let me tell you, when we give, we are showing our thanks to God. That's the reason why it's called thanksgiving, Right? We give and we show thanks to God. God is saying, I'm going to do something in this world and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Not only am I able to meet your needs when they need to be met, I will make you this promise that I will enrich those who are committed to financing my kingdom in this world. And again, some of you are saying, so, so I can be rich? Let me address that right now. This is not about getting rich. Let me, let me give you just cookies on the bottom shelf. You're already rich. You see, I am already rich. My wife and I, we own two vehicles and we live in a house. By the world standards, all of the world, that is rich. Let me tell you, statistic, I had to look this up. Less than 10% of the 6 billion people in the world own a car. How many of y'all drove to church this morning? That's everybody, right? Congratulations. You're rich. Oh, let me give you another statistic. It only takes $34,000 a year. If you make thirty-four grand a year, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, you are among the richest 1% of people in the world. Thirty-four grand, And you're like, thirty-four grand? Really? Yes. Yes. We don't do this to get rich. We do this because God has already made us rich. 
you have been blessed, and in, 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 I'm not going to quote a lot of your scripture here, but God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Problem with the Israelites is they didn't do that. Let me tell you the same principle. God tells you and I, the church, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Quick question, are you and I doing that? Or are we just hoarding our seed? Again, why are we so afraid in this area of finances? And the issue is really this. Can you and I trust God? Are we going to trust God? Let me tell you a story, and i, I got to get out of here. Sam Houston. Everybody's heard of him. He was uh, the general uh, during the, the Texas um, war, and uh, he's the one who kind of came against Santa Ana and whole remember the Alamo. Uh, he was a huge raging drunk. Uh, he was a vile just, I mean, he just, he pretty much hated God, and he just, he did everything he could to self-destruct his life until a preacher one day told him about the love of Jesus, and Sam Houston became a Christian. And when Sam Houston went down into the creek to get baptized, the pastor saw his watch on. He says, don't you want to take off your watch? And by the way, if you have a wallet, you need to take that out too because you're ready to get wet. And Sam Houston says, you know what? My watch and my wallet go with me. Here's the reason why. They need to be baptized too. You know, we, we trust God with our salvation. God, I love you. I know that you love me. And because I accept your love and because you, you gave extravagantly your son on the cross, and I ask him to be a part of my life because I want to be a part of your life, I accept your forgiveness. Because we, we, we trust God for that, but we're like, I don't know if I can give you my bills. I don't know if I can give you and let you be in control of it all. I don't know if I can put on their gods. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a, a couple of different assignments. Before I give you the assignments, how many of y'all today, uh, you kept your receipts this past week? Anybody? Very good, very good. I want you to keep on doing that. I want you to do that for this entire month. Now here's the kicker. I think this is going to be on the screen. You can go to One Church Media, One Church Media, I think it's .org, and you can download all the financial resources so that you, we're going to help you get out of debt. We're going to help you create a, uh, there it is, onechurch.tv. Oh, okay, no. Um, we're going to help you do all of this because, again, it's not just about giving. It's about managing your resources. But let me tell you, what we're going to do today is we're going to, we're going to do this. We've done this twice before, a 90-day tithe challenge. Because we're going to take all of the fear out of this for you guys. I know Christmas is coming around the corner, but what we're challenging you to do is this. If you have never, ever tithed before, what we're asking you to do, if you're willing to test us, this is like a money-back guarantee. I kid you not. We've done this twice before, and here's what we do. If you will promise for the next three months to be able to give and tithe, not, not 2%, but you're, you're trusting God for 10%, that you do that, and you do that through the website. I'm going to tell you about that in a minute as well. If, after those 90 days, if you need the money back, we'll, we'll refund it back to you. We want to take all the fear out of this. Let me tell you, we've done this twice before. Not one person has asked for their money back. In fact, on, on numerous occasions, I've heard people that God had blessed them financially, or if God had not so much blessed them financially, he had helped fix a relationship. He had helped repair a marriage. He had helped restore a friendship. 
And every time, what people will say, you know what, it's because, I know it's because I did this that God blessed me. He blessed me relationally. He blessed me financially. He may bless you in a thousand other different ways. But I promise you, just like with us, sometimes you're just going to have to dive in. It's scary, I know. I know that. But we want to give you an opportunity to try to take the fear off the table and for you to trust God with your finances and for you to do it hilariously. (laughs) All right? Now, couple of things. Um, uh, we're getting ready to do announcements, but I want to say this. With the 90-day tithe challenge, we're doing something new here at One Church, and we used to use this thing called eGive. And what eGive was, it was just online giving, and that's what my wife and I had been using for the past five years. We have recently started switching over eGive. In fact, if you use eGive, I would encourage you to switch over to something called SecureGive. We're going to leave eGive open, um, but e, uh, eGive takes a portion, like if you give 100, they may take of it. SecureGive doesn't do that. And what's so cool, there's many different ways that you can use SecureGive. I want to show you a couple. You can't really see this, so I don't know why I'm doing this. But um, on utilities, there's a little thing. You can go to your app store, and there's this app right here, and it's SecureGive. So while you're preaching, you could actually give. Um, And what's so cool about this, this includes a giving calculator, so you can help that. You can go to, like, I hit make a donation, and it's taking me to onechurch.tv right there because it knows exactly where I'm at. It's kind of cool, all right? So you can do that from your phone. You can do that through online giving as well. And one of the things that we're going to start soon is a giving kiosk outside so that, again, if you've never given, you just want to try it. This is a way that you can be able to do that. So I'd encourage you to go to our website and hit uh, give online, and you can be able to do that as well. All right. Also, for this month, a portion of your tithes we're giving to the Mana Cafe. And the Mana Cafe, uh, what that is, it's a ministry outside of the church that gives to homeless people. We do this every November. So I'd encourage you, uh, as we give today, to remember that. All right, I'm going to bring out Carrie. And uh, we're going to do our, um, the, the sermon's over, but I'm going to have Carrie, and she's going to talk with us about Operation Christmas Child. Uh, if our uh, people who take up the offering, you can go ahead and do that now. Y'all say hello to Carrie. Let me get you a mic, Carrie. Y'all say hello to Carrie. All right. Here you go, girl. Okay, I just want to say thank you to everybody who brought in packed shoe boxes or supplies for the shoe boxes. So far, we've collected 38 boxes in in one way street this morning we've already packed 15 the kids have made christmas cards and done little notes about themselves and everything this is a wonderful wonderful ministry these children don't receive anything and when they get their box they get a new testament in their own language in a bible study so um a lot of them this is the first time they've ever heard about jesus and this is the first thing they've ever received even so I just want to say thank you. This is something that's dear to my heart, and they've let me do it for the last four years here, and I love it. So um, thank you all for bringing in stuff today, okay? Let's give it up for Carrie. Come here, give me a hug. Thank you so much, Carrie. Now, quick question. Um, I know we did this, we, like you said, we've been doing this for four years. How many boxes did we get last year? 129, I believe it was. So we still have some work to do this yes. year. All right, but we still have second service, so I mean, Absolutely. usually, and I know uh, some people have already come to me saying that they forgot their boxes Sunday, sure. and I forgot. I will be, come by the church office on Wednesday after school time to pick up any boxes, so if you forgot your boxes mm. or still want to pack, take them to the church office, okay? Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, Carrie. Let's give it up for Carrie again. Um, also, our last thing, our students 
our high school students, they're gone today. Uh, they're actually in Gatlinburg at a spiritual retreat uh, that our jo- yeah, some of y'all are like, praise Jesus. Um, uh, Joel Reynolds and uh, many of our volunteers uh, with our students are with them. So one of the things I would encourage you to do is be praying for our students. You know, one of the things that we do is we just don't want this to be fun, though it is going to be fun for them. We want them to be able to meet Jesus. And let me say this as well. If you're here for the first time, we don't want your money. We really don't. We, uh, you can keep your finances. Here's the thing we want. We want you to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Because we believe here at One Church, it's not about denominations, it's not about labels, it's not about anything. It is about Jesus Christ and us meeting him. And I truly believe that if you meet Jesus, your life will be changed. All right? Let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much, God, that you can just, uh, that you allow us to be able to trust us with, uh, with stuff. Lord, um, I know for the years, for years, God, you trusted me with finances, and I wasn't a good steward. And God, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm talking to some people out there, and they just, I don't have to give them guilt because they feel guilt. Because all of us, we want to give more, but we're just afraid. God, I pray, Lord, that you would not allow us to be controlled by our fear, but, Lord, that you would allow us to be controlled by faith. And, Lord, that you would make, that we would be able to make you Lord over every area of our life, our salvation, our parenting, our marriage, what we see, what we watch, what we look at, and what we spend money on. And Lord, for those men and women out there struggling and just, I just don't know if I can afford this. Lord, I pray that they would start with what they got, however big their bucket is, and they would trust you, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' great big name that all of us pray, and we all said, amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.